Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Prayer by Pastor Terry Keane. I was given the opportunity to, uh, to preach today. Uh, I know that Pastor Sean is, uh, is the senior pastor, but I can actually boast that I'm the senior pastor because I'm 30 years older than him <laughs> and uh, only in age. But however... Um, this morning, I have that privilege of being able to share with you on Mother's Day. And I said to Sean, did you know it's Mother's Day? And he said, oh, no, I didn't realise it was going to be. But it sort of throws you into a little bit of a, what am I going to preach on? Uh, and what am I going to be able to say? And so, I, I, as you do, you go to Jesus and say, please, Lord, give me some understanding, some wisdom, some um, message or or a title, or whatever, and and the and the thing that came into my mind was mothers who pray, and I know that there are many many children, or young men and women, or even older men and women, who are in the kingdom because of their mother, because their mother prayed, and uh, so I began to sort of digest this idea that maybe I should talk about prayer. And uh, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to share it with you because it's a, an interesting subject that I I've had some time to talk, you know, to think this through. And uh, so I did quite a bit of study on 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 prayer and what sort of prayer I wanted to speak about. And this is what really started to hit home to me was that it was prayer that needed to intervene and to reverse. A situation. But before you sort of panic about the title, I will be able to explain it to you. I will be able to share what I believe the Bible says about that subject and about that title. When I was uh, talking to Karen, who's in the admin, and she was saying, Terry, what do you want as a slide? You know, just to announce your message. And uh, I said, look, really, I'll leave it up to you. And uh, and so when I came down here just to check, um, I had to come for other things concerning the men's breakfast, etc. And and she said, I don't know whether you like the actual scene. You know that doesn't seem to go, does it? But she said, I really feel that that's what I want to put on the on the on the slide. Because if you look at the subject, prayer that intervenes and reverses, it, it's almost like as though you wanted to see something really gutsy and something very uh, uh, passionate or, or maybe sort of having um, warfare type stuff. I don't know what you would have thought. And I thought maybe something that displayed that could have been an answer. But it was important that when she did put that there, it reminded me of probably my opening phrase was that, our call to prayer is to a life of expanding dimension. And as I saw that slide, I just saw myself sitting there, not worried, not panicky, not distressed, but resting in what I saw in front of me. And so that is the impression I want to make today, the the idea that I want to bring into your prayer life that it's not all about slamming the table and yelling out at the devil or whatever. There's a lot more to it. And this is what I want to see and speak about today is about prayer that intervenes 
and reverses. An incredible vista. And that there is this amazing dimension in our prayer. From worship to to petition, from thanksgiving to even warfare. And this morning I note Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. And you can refer to it if you wish, but there's no possible, you don't need to. But Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says, and this is after that wonderful description of the armour of God as recorded in Ephesians chapter 6. And in verse 18, Paul goes on and he says to them, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I would like to, as a pastor, be able to take you into another dimension of prayer. We are a praying church. And I I know that, that there is many, many exciting stories and situations and circumstances where people have had uh, the, the prayers of their needs and, and so on answered. And, uh, and, 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 but today I just want to just take you a little bit further. I'm not saying for one minute that, that you're not there, but I'm just wanting to share some thoughts. It says praying always with all prayer. That means every sort of prayer. And supplication, which means persevering for the promises. Perseverance is a bit of a <clears throat> a word that people don't like these days. It's on my on my desk at my school as a school chaplain. I have the word perseverance, and uh, reminding children that they need to persevere in life. If I can't teach it to them in primary school, what hope have we have when we're there in high school? And often they tend to just sort of want to just sort of spin out and and not persevere. But supplication is persevering in prayer. And then we also just pray in the spirit. And why? Because you and I need that supernatural assistance from the Holy Spirit, from God himself. The prayer will be ineffective unless there is something that is anointing that prayer and something that is coming deep within that prayer, something that is taking shape within it and moving up and out, and as we begin to pray, to pray that we have that passion. I want to invite you. Actually, I probably will do more. I want to urge you, as it were, towards what is at hand. I want to discuss three great words of prayer. One is supplication. The other one is intercession and thanksgiving. But I want to see them in their relationship to the, to the prayer life of intercession. And, and, and I, I just want to call that the prayer that intervenes and also reverses. First of all, I wanted to talk about supplication. Okay, let's have a look at, at Philippians this time. So we just move on to the book of Philippians. And if you have it open, it's uh, in chapter... Verses 6 to 7. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Philippi was a Roman colony. It was an outpost of Rome's authority. And therefore, it it was secured with a very special contingent of imperial troops. And Paul's choice of terms, noting the promise of prayer, takes on a special meaning in this light. He says that the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. The word guard describes the garrisoning of the Roman troops to secure a colony. In other words, he was saying that if you will take a specific stance in prayer, God will establish a stronghold in your mind and that he will brace you against the adversary so that you will never be cast into tumult or to confusion no matter what your trial is. This is a, a very poignant verse. I, you know, sometimes we, we sort of say to God, but don't you understand what I'm going through? You know, what trial I'm, I'm going through? And then he just, you know, and here they're saying that, but you've got to have peace. You, you know, like you'll get that peace when you actually trust in that Father God. And God will establish that stronghold in your mind and he will brace you against the adversary. I trust him to do that. And that is why I can see this even more poignant and then that it's that, you know, I would trust him. I could sit there and even, even though that's tranquil, but um, there is so much that happens around about us. But he brings us into this place. He brings us to there. We are, when we can look out and we can see a bigger picture, not just the, the confounding incident or circumstance that we're going through that, that takes and usurps all of our energy and time and thinking and everything else, but takes us to that place to that place where we actually trust and rest and we begin to see the bigger picture. This text points the way for our entry into a place of secured confidence following that prayer, but it involves more than a simple petition. Ordinary prayer is like, give us this day our daily bread type of thing. That's, that's good, that's general, that's, that's, that's still a prayer. And it's an asking prayer. And it calls us also to supplication, an interesting word in the Greek language, diomai. I would probably have to have Emmanuel tell me exactly how to pronounce it because he's Greek, but I'm saying it as diomai. And... Um, And that essentially has to do with asking, but it actually goes further. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. Diomai means to supplicate or to make supplication, to beg, to pray earnestly. And the dio is to to bind something up or to tie something up. And then a part of that is what is... is, um, what it should be and what it ought to be, but when we pray and supplicate before God, there is going to be a new dimension and then we will be able to see how God can make something that we don't like see around about us that shouldn't be, but it will make it happen. I hope I've 
tried to explain myself, but that didn't confuse me, but I hope it didn't confuse you. Now, I want to just grasp this, this, uh, this idea of supplication, the concept of supplication, the pivotal difference between asking and supplicating. To ask is to make a request, but supplication answers to those times when a focused point of, of passion is in our prayer. I think there'd be times that we would be honest enough to admit that we haven't been as passionate in prayer. There's times that we have sort of been absorbed by the circumstance or what is around about us, and it distills and destroys our passion. And I'm encouraging you today that if we can just move into this place where we are more than just asking God, but that we are actually almost begging him, that we are passionate about our prayer life and that we, that we um, you know, begin to, to, to see that um, answers to our prayer, I suppose, that's what it's about. There's a Bible verse that says, and I often wondered about it. It, it sort of has intrigued me, but I never really studied it until just recently. There's a verse in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19 where it says that I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I'm aware that in days past that these verses were sometimes misunderstood, maybe misconstrued or activated in ways that I didn't think would have been proper. And there was always this demand and this command and so on. And I'm I'm wanting to move away from that. I'm wanting to just to say that it's more than, 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 than begging, but there's something that is saying that we can actually bind up. The evidence is that we see supplication as involving the Christ authority action of binding up certain things and then we might just say, well, what do we have to bind up? What, is the, what right do I have to bind this up? And the answer, I believe, is in our seeing the relationship between what I've mentioned to bind something up and to have what we believe is the right thing. And it, should, it would seem to show that we have a, that, that, that assigned to bind up things that are not what ought to be and to what should be. Supplication thus is seen as prayer which can return things to their intended order, to what is proper or ought to be. We look at the world. We look at the world and we almost cringe when we start watching our television. I've, I don't even think it's of relevance today. It's, it's too distressing to see what is around it. And, it, and yet I, I don't need the television to tell me how bad the world is, really. And there is such good stuff in the world as well. But we look at our world. It's created under a divine order, now long and very long been violated. We understand that so much of our world is at this place. It's fallen into confusion. It's fallen into chaos, fallen into, chaos into disarray, due to the fall of man, human sinning, and satanic activity. 
These things are out of order. These are out of order. God has ordained a mission possible, not a mission impossible, but a mission possible. For we who have come under his order, we are not only having the privilege of fellowship in prayer, but we have an invitation to partnership in prayer, to learn a dimension of binding by prayer until the reconstitution of his original order. There's so much that is out there that I don't know whether about like you, but sometimes I've stood back and go, I don't know how this is going to change. I don't know how this is just going to be different. And that is exactly where the devil wants me to step back to. He wants me to just step back and just have a look at it and go, oh, well, what do we do now? I would hope that this morning that as I speak to you, that it would encourage you not to stand back and just to be, oh, well, whatever, but to actually move right in, position ourselves and take that stronghold. That that supplication moves into that confused world. That's why we're needing to have that more passionate prayer, not just, God, give me my food for today, but take us further into a place where we are really absolutely moving into the confusion of the fallen order of things, a broken heart, a broken home, someone's broken health, and begins through supplication to bind to bind up broken things, drawing the strands of such binding back to what ought to be, what is God's intent and what is God's will. In my work as a chaplain, I come across this very often. I come across it especially when I'm talking to parents. And, uh, and, 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 and children, they are just damaged by the world some of them live in. And they just don't see a clear picture of what life is really about. And, um, and, and I, I just thank God every day that when I'm at that school that somehow there is a, um, I'm relevant. I'm, I'm, I'm in a you know, place where they might not be able to pray, but I can stand in the gap for them and that I can bring you as a church into that gap, gap fillers. I think I heard Russell say about Sally's. However, um, that would have to be, um, Yeah. We were talking about binding up, and I tried to understand what this word binding up actually means. The binding is not only that we often conceive something being tied up, but it is based on the concept of binding as it is used when a contract has been made. For example, when a property is being developed, an architect will regularly visit the site meeting with the contractor to assure the details of the contract are actually fulfilled. Holding the contractor to the contract is legally possible because of the terms of the contract are binding. They are binding, but possible only as the architect or his representative insist on the binding clauses of the contract that contested or neglected features of the project will be finished, and that they will be brought to what they ought to be, what 
the owner wills. So the analogy is obvious, I hope, that in this world, Satan is trying to construct things that are totally out of line with God's blueprint, totally out of line with God's blueprint. And you and I, yes, you and I are the on-site observers. We are in that place of understanding what is taking place in human lives and earthly circumstances. We're aware of it. And when that ought to be isn't, our role in supplication is to say, Lord, what have you contracted for at the cross? For your purpose and your power. And that's how we approach God and Jesus, I say. We would say to him, what have you contracted at the cross? What is your purpose? What is your power to save or to deliver? If this is not being done on earth, let your ruling power, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as your agent assigned in your, into this case in prayer, Lord, I say, stop the adversary's advance. According to Calvary's terms, I bind the enemy from success. According to your will, through the power of Jesus' blood, I loose on earth what you have already willed in heaven. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so, binding and loosing. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. And makes one thing clear that it is sometimes unnoted, and I want to make this clear, that it is important that we understand this fact, that our binding only accomplishes on earth what has already been accomplished in heaven. And in other words, we don't make things happen. No, it's not for us to make it happen. Prayer releases that happening. I go goosebumpy as I start to think about how my prayer life has changed. Lynn is, Lynn, I mean, I've had a good, Lynn is my wife, but Lynn, Lynn um, gave me a book on, on, on coming boldly. I've talked about this a few times now, and it is one of the, it's one of the most powerful books that I've written, I've read, I mean, and, 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 it, and it has a prayer life for every day, like something, and I, I have really, really been passionate ever since I started getting through into that book and it's taken me into a new journey. Bold, come boldly. And it's all these, all these men who, and women who have prayed and are noted for their prayer life, recommended for their, because of their prayer life. And, um, and so it's really changed my whole thinking, as you possibly uh, understand now. And so... We are, we are to release what is happening. God has ordained the intended order so that we are not creators of what occurs, but releases of what he has desired, which flesh or devil oppose. So when we bind or loose, remember, he is that power. He is that provision. Ours is the privilege of participating in that privilege, in that time. And also let's be wise. Let's also be praiseful. And because we have to remember where it comes from. We have to remember where it comes from. And it comes from the cross. The cross. We're not 
not to forget it. Never, ever forget it. What Jesus did at the cross and your 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 message this morning was so powerful and so impressionable. But what Jesus did at the cross was once and forever to break the captivity of the capacity, I beg your pardon, the capacity of the adversary to sustain his rule over mankind. I know you're mad at the devil often, but sometimes raving and ranting and and kicking and screaming doesn't always bring the right result. Sometimes we have to move into a more impassioned type of prayer, that we seek the heart and the will of God, that we come into a place where we are not just angry, but that we are entrusting ourselves to the one who is able to bring peace, to bring that peace. Because of Jesus' victory through the blood of his cross, prayers of supplication can bind and we can contract for heaven's ought to be and then bring it into be what has to be. In this light, it's unsurprising that Paul says that when we pray that way, the peace of God will guard your heart. Prayer and supplication, binding and loosing, lays the foundation for a deep peace to possess the soul. As in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, praises are, are, of thanksgiving are offered with them. Faith brings peace and anxiety to a, a place where it ceases. Prayer has found a place of confidence by calling on heaven's resources and his victory, by applying it in simple faith. I want to just move a little bit further now into intercession. I read a book quite some years ago, probably decades now, and it was a book by Norman Grubb who wrote it about Reese Howells, the intercessor. If you don't want to change your prayer life, don't bother reading it. But if you wish to change your prayer life, and especially when it comes to intercession, and you might sit there in your your pew and you might say, but there are other people that are intercessors. I'll just sort of hang on to them. You know, I'll just sort of flow with them a little bit. But God is calling all of us to be intercessors, I believe. There are groups of people, there are men and women who become intercessors, and that is a real calling. But all of us have that privilege of being able to be an intercessor. And, and Norman Grubb's book on Reese Howells, The Intercessor, will change your life. And so we continue to talk about this all prayer as a goal. And therefore, we look at intercession. If you turn to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, it's important and it's also impressive to see the priority this order of prayer is given along with supplication. He says, therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? You look at the verse, it says, all thanks be made for all men and women, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is a good and acceptable thing in the sight of God, our Saviour. 
And so in this foundational New Testament call to intercession, we have what I believe is the Bible's fundamental realm of assignment with regard to civic and political affairs. And, and really, I don't want to get into that this morning too much, not at all. But it's interesting that what we are experiencing around about us now, I'm over, over it almost, but however, I know that it, I can't be over it because this whole thing is, is requiring me not to sit back and say, oh, I'm sick and tired of all this. I don't want to hear another political advertisement. I don't want to. I tell you what, I've been stirred by this. And it's really, really made me sit up and start to think a bit more. It's all right for me to go blah, 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 and I don't like it. But I tell you what, this is our moment. This is our moment as Christians. Nothing will happen if we sit back and just go, oh, well, we'll just let's see what happens. Nah, that's not where we're to be. And so we need to believe in what is assigned to us that we do have the privilege to pray for civic and political affairs. The directive is to pray for civic issues that are grander and broader than our own immediate points of personal concern. It's not just about us. There's a greater picture here. There's a bigger vista. There's, a, there's something out there that requires us to actually take a, a, a stock of what is there. And I'm going to ask us today that we begin to start to pray, have this prayer as a preoccupying um, uh, thing so that we're, when we hear something or, or understand something or whatever, that we begin to pray. We are promised influence that will, that will change the climate of a culture. The Bible says here in this verse that we can lead and have a quiet life. That's where it's, it's to go to. That's what is being prepared for us. And I know that you're probably sitting there and thinking, oh, if they, if they come in, we won't have a quiet life. If they come in, we'll have, we'll have a quiet life. And God bless you too. And, and, and again, you just want double blessing, I know. Um, okay, I'm not going to get all political here today. So we might ask ourselves, who am I to suppose when I kneel in prayer that I can decide the moral and the spiritual or the political or military or economic circumstances in my country, even in my world. But the word of God says not only, but the word of God not only says as intercession has that capacity, it specifically says it's none of our, it's one of our first assignments, a priority, which if observed can reveal the living church's real role in determining government. Oh, right. I'll just move away from there for a minute. And yeah, two Sundays time, that's true. In James chapter 5, verse 16, the writer (laughs) writes this, the effective and the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It avails much. Are you hearing me this morning, church? The prayer of an effective, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Are you a bit excited? Oh, I am. The text actually says this. The spiritually energized prayer of an impassioned person seeking God will count for more than they can imagine. Than they can imagine. 
But look how it did happen. If we looked at the next verse after uh, verses 17 and 18, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, the study of that Old Testament text reveals a dramatic story of social, spiritual, economic, and meteorological impact through one man's intercession. One man, oh, but he was Elijah. Yeah. Elijah would be looking at you and going, say, yeah, but you are Janus. You are Sue. You are Paul. You are who you are. You are important. It's not all about Elijah. It's what you will be able to accomplish and to be able to do. This is just a precedent. This is a, this is a, a reminder of how we can become so actively engaged in prayer. And meteorologically speaking, the climate of the culture was literally changed from drought to rain. The same passage shows Elijah's victory over the prophets of Baal, and that is a spiritual triumph, and the breaking of a drought, which would have been obviously providing more economic and social impact. God's judgment on the people was reversed. Prayer that intervenes, prayer that reverses. And this magnificent passage says that some potential is available today if we will leave what inter- believe what intercession can actually accomplish. And there are sort of definitions of what intercession is about. It was an interesting point that in the book of Genesis, and when I was sort of looking at this, it was sort of saying that that intercession can come when something is lit up for us. Now, I just want to explain this. It's the, the actual words mean that um, when they put the word intercession or paga or, or the other Greek word, which is uh, entinkano, I think it is, chano, I'm not sure. But um, that's not the important part of it. But it's just that it shows up something by accident. That's how it almost refers to or strikes like a flashing uh, lightning or something like that. And so you might just say prayer by accident, (laughs) really? Well, let's have an example here because in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob is in flight from Esau, his brother, He comes to a place that will eventually be named Bethel. But as he arrives there, he looks for a place to rest. That's all he was wanting. I just need to have a rest. During the night of sleep, he had the vision. He had this vision of Jacob's ladder, which we now call Jacob's ladder. And when he awakened the next morning, after God met him in a dynamically powerful way, giving him a promise for his whole future, Jacob says, Surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord. And I, could, I, I was so excited when I was singing that song earlier. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. I kept on saying to myself, the Lord is in this place. Even though it was in the song, the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. And in your situation at work, 
at home, wherever it is, is the Lord needs to be in that place. He needs to be in that place. And so, and he says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not even know it. However, the day before, he just stopped there to have a rest, the scripture says. It was like it was lit up. It was like a, a light flashing light coming upon him or something. And, um, and so it, 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 uh, it appeared that it was almost a, um, a random thing. And yet it was in God's total plan. Which brings me to a place about intercession, if you just bear with me a little bit longer, it's not accidental always. It's totally providential. But how many times have you had an experience where you just knew that it was just a random, but oh my, did it become providential. God just turned it from a random into a providential time. Every day of our lives, I want to encourage you this morning, every day of our lives, you and I come in to apparent random situations. If we perceive that they are ordained by the Holy Spirit himself, we will learn to respond to them, knowing God has brought us to them. There will be occasions when we will have a seemingly random thought or a signal, signaling signal which might seem accidental but wisdom will teach us to seize those moments as intended by God to cause us to intercede I know know we're all waiting for it there's got to have to be a time in my message that I will say this word (laughs) but and no I'm not speaking in tongues it appears that I am but however but I want, I, it reminded me as I was, um, uh, when I was sort of talking myself through this message, that, that when we were in Ulladulla, we were in the, the actual lower part of the civic centre. So we had a reasonable sized congregation, but we were downstairs and then we would be able to walk across the Princess Highway and then into the Ulladulla Harbour where we would often baptise people amongst the oil slicks of the... No, no. But the big fishing trawlers would come in, the Italian fishing trawlers would come in. But what I, would, what I wanted to say is that, um, that when we were there and we would be either singing or preaching or just in the time, in the worship time, an ambulance would go down the street, sirens blaring, etc., etc. Now, this might seem a silly little thing to you. I hope it isn't. But when that happened... We stopped immediately, didn't we, Then Everybody then would stop. They knew it, and that would be the time we would intercede. When that ambulance streamed down the, screamed down the street, we went into prayer. I might have been in the middle of a message, and you probably wish, I hope there's an ambulance now. No, not joking, just joking. But, yeah, but we would intercede. That was our, it was random, but it became providential, and I never had to find out really did something happen because of that prayer. I knew it happened. I had that confidence. I was sitting out there on the jetty just going, yep, God's got this in hand. He's got it worked out. All I had to do was intercede. All I had to do was come before him and put that whole uh, situation before me. And so 
Intercession is not just grand national, international issues. They are just these little places and little times when we just enter into a most amazing position with God. And so the Lord wants us to be intercessors. Intercession occurs when people realize God has ordained boundaries of blessing for human experiences. Unless someone prays, we know that Satan will try to violate that boundary line. He will try to make it less than what it should have been. Intercession sees that God's purposes reach all the way into what he wills. You see, there is a passivity that sometimes possesses our life, a mindset within some of us, and maybe you might be saying to yourself, well, I am a bit guilty of that. Of course, no one one would have said that this morning. I shouldn't have made that comment. But I knew I was passive and still can be, unfortunately. Intercession sees that God's purposes need to be reached and what his will is. Intercession is insisting on the extension of heaven's covenanted boundaries, which hell will encroach upon and try to push back to less than what God has intended. We are the ones appointed to monitor the situation. Who's going to do it other than us? To monitor the situation and in prayer we represent heaven's purposes, heaven's power, speaking heaven's covenant into the situation and watching God actuate it according to the calling upon him. Intercession is such a dynamic form of prayer. It involves an ensuring, our ensuring on earth that the boundaries of God's heavenly purposes, defending against the enemy's encroachment, recognising our privilege to take action as apparently random encounters and controlling the climate of societies and nations So how do we exercise the role of intercessor? In Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27, we read how the Holy Spirit is available to help us in our prayer dimension. Likewise, it says, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we also need to note that in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, following that, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And, and, and sometimes we are needing to be careful to not quote this very loved verse out of context because we need to realise that all things don't work together for good in the world. Not automatically. Nothing works together for good in the world on its own. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 28 says that we need to have it all clustered together, for it shows that when we are interceding and energised by the Holy Spirit, we are able to bear, uh, we are able to, to see and understand that God has an opportunity to enter into it and that all things will work together for good. And so it does intervene, it does persevere. And so we might just move on quickly because time is up for me. Has this been helpful? Yeah. Okay.
fine because I went through a terrible lot trying to work. I'm not saying that to have sympathy. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes this really uh, grabs me and and it weighs on me. I, no, I'm not going like this. I tell you what, it weighs on me. And um, uh, normally I can eat breakfast, but I didn't eat breakfast this morning as I just sort of weighed on me and I'm thinking, I've got this to preach this morning. Uh, and it's... And it's uh, Let's close with thanksgiving, okay? Because that's the last part and it's only a little bit I want to share. Finally, we learn the power of thanksgiving. It says, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Just the final part. The Bible doesn't say everything is a thank, thank, uh, thankworthy thing. It says in everything that you see, be thankful. For example, if a person sees flames threatening your home because of a burning fire outside in the bush, you wouldn't just stand there, would you, and just say, oh, thank God. No. Would you? No. You would grab a rug. You'd go over and get a, a, a hose or you would try to put it out. So for everything give thanks we shouldn't always, that's not, not what it's saying. It says, in, but in, in, in everything, in the middle of everything, how desperate it could be, you give thanks. Why? How? Well, I can thank God this situation can't master us. I can thank God he is bigger than what is happening right now. I can thank God that though I had this accident, he is going to move into this scene and assist me. I can thank God that though my sister, in this case my brother-in-law actually has just found out he has cancer, diagnosed with cancer, and we have a living Lord who is able to see us through in this time. I thank God that though I seem to be weak in my body today, he has promised me to give me strength and resources in everything, not for everything, but in everything. If that situation has come upon you, in that time you start giving thanks. It changes the whole personality of it. It changes. And thankfulness is an amazing thing. Pauline caught hold of it, you know. When she was volunteering in my chaplaincy program at uh, Alex Hill State School, she started this little project where children were to think of three things each day to be thankful for. It was such a biblical thing. Kids didn't know it was biblical in a way, but we did. Pauline did. And so she initiated this and it changed the personality of the classroom. The children were not unhappy. They were thinking of something else. They were giving thanks. I know that there are people in this church today that would be going, we have and could have had the opportunity of really putting God down here and saying how unfair it was or how, uh, you know, you know, they never did. A lot of us never have. We have thanked God in that circumstance. I trust that this has been helpful. I, and um, I'm going to just close in prayer and... Um, And then we'll be released. Remember, there's no meeting tonight.
So if the world starts changing today, you know, I'll know why. Because you've all gone home and you've all started to pray on bended knee and seeking God and, 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 and instead of screaming and, and, and yelling at the devil, we praise God in it. We thank God. We, we can say a lot of things to the devil, but however, he doesn't need to hear our, our, our efforts. He needs to know about our efforts and uh, it will come through what I've talked about today. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just come to you and we, we, uh, there's a lot to absorb. There's a lot of stuff that we've been able to hear about today. And Father, I know that these people are impassioned people. I know that they are people who love you and want to serve you. They want to just commit themselves to you. And Father, I thank you that even today they will begin to see through their supplication, through their intercession, through their thanksgiving, change experiences, circumstances different. And I pray, Father, that it will not be for their own glory, but it will be for your glory, for you and for you alone. Father, bless all of these people. Thank you for them. I thank you for them, Lord. And we release them from this church today and uh, just look after them, take care of them uh, because they want to. And all mothers, we just pray that your grace will be upon them. And uh, for those of we have lost our mothers and we honour them today, thanking you, O oh God, for them, for what they have achieved and done in our lives. But, Father, we just want to bless you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.